Today I'm going to be talking with Ryan Smith. Many of you know him from the Grammy-winning group Soul Asylum. He's got some great solo work, including his latest video and single, I'm Slipping. We're going to talk about that and what is motivating him these days. So welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks, Kelly. Good to be here. Now, did you start out in Minneapolis? Yes, that's... uh... I've I've lived here my whole life uh, within a 15 mile radius, basically. So um, I've lived in different parts of the Twin Cities, but um, originally born in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, And like I said, been here my whole life. It's a great metro area. Lots of really great music has come out of this town. I think there's something in the water where you know a lot of artists come out of this this area sure and i know when you guys started out you know you're part of that whole punk scene and it seems like people were wanting to group you with like grunge rock and what was happening but you, you definitely have you know a unique sound and what i like with i'm slipping and your solo work it really seems like you're going back in time like you've got this raw energy again well thank you uh it's Definitely, I think raw is a word I'd use to describe how I wanted the soul record to feel. Um, some of the other songs that I'm still working on at this point, there, there's some that are super raw, um, but it's it's got an experimental nature, so that it's there's diversity in the material. Some of it will be more psychedelic and experimental. Some of it's going to be really raw punk, for lack of a better word, or indie rock whatever you want to call it uh grunge right. uh it it is what it is i think you know through the modern lens of 2020 you, you, but you very, look back on, you know go ahead oh yeah i was just gonna say it has a very youthful feel to it almost like if i didn't know it was you i would say wow this is like a fresh new band or this is a fresh new solo artist uh, you know, was that a conscious effort? Did you kind of go back in time a little bit? Uh, I think I wanted to be free of having any uh, constraints in any way. Like, like, for example, I'm doing this on my own record label that I revived. It's a label I had started when I was in high school and uh, put on the way, you know, put on the back burner. And having really it be truly a solo project where i'm playing all the instruments producing it um i i i feel like very fresh you know there's 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 something to be said for having a team of people that that all have input and that's a beautiful thing and there's also something to be said for being able to do whatever you want and sometimes it's a good thing sometimes it's a bad thing i i feel that this has been a good experiment and it is probably part of like the reason why it, to me it feels fresh because um, mm-hmm. I'm not really filtering anything through people like I just this is kind of how I hear it and and that's a cool thing so well, I love the lyric you go I'm slipping and then I'm tripping and the video is a bit <laughs> trippy but yeah. have you been a little bit like, did you have the the rug pulled out from beneath you lately? Well, you know, like like everyone did, that song was actually written 
um, when Solasun was on tour, it was it was called the Dead Letter Tour. I think it was 2019. It could have been 2020. I don't quite remember, but we were on a tour, a summer tour, and it had oh no, you know, was it even a summer tour? I don't know, but it was cut a couple weeks short because of COVID. And when we were on that tour, we were living in our own universe of the tour bus. You don't really have that much connection with the outside world, you know, and then you see some news on your phone, but we were not oblivious to COVID, but we definitely didn't understand the magnitude of what was going on when we were living in our satellite going around from show to show. And I think when we came back home and got sent home early, it just was shocking. And, you know, like it was very strange to go to the store and there was like nothing in the stores and it was weird and felt like it was apocalyptic. And so that, that was a, what it kind of afforded me the opportunity to start seeing through some of the newest song ideas that I had and everybody was in um, quarantine and isolation. So that's kind of what drove the solo album idea and the rug was pulled under. Yeah, completely. I, I have, I lost like a few family members in that time, um, close family members. And there were um, a lot of changes going on with the world. Obviously, I think everybody dealt with that. Things are moving online. You're isolated. Um, and, you know, with having a lot of friends in different, uh, I guess, you know, sections of the world and, and people were I, I what i what i was seeing is a lot of my friends were losing their minds and admittedly so and that's kind of what the song was trying to embrace the idea that we were all to some level slipping and it's okay and it's also okay to to poke fun at yourself and and acknowledge that and not take yourself too seriously because um, there was a lot of, there were a lot of heavy things going on in the world. And there was, you know, living in the twin cities, we had, you know, even more. So I think, you know, I, you know, with what was going on, um, socially in the twin cities. So it was a heavy time and it was a song, I think that a lot of people could relate to, uh, and I certainly could relate to it. And I was drawing from my own experience, but also the experiences of people around me, things I was hearing people say. Um, and like I said, I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't think we needed another something that would be like finger pointing or dark. I was like, this is supposed to be a little bit, there's supposed to be a, a bit of fun in that. And like I said, not taking anything too seriously. Sure. So that's well, how that I, video. That's how yeah. I, I see a lot of that spirit in the music video, which has a very lo-fi video yeah. feel and makes me think of the 80s, especially. Yeah. Remember those great like new wave artist MTV yeah. videos? They were lo-fi, but really fun to watch. Yes, I, I definitely remember those videos. And that was an intentional tip of the hat towards that genre, that era and that style of music video making. In fact, there were a lot of uh, effects that were used to make it look like it was done on an old TV set. But in the video, at the end of it, it's like the world's ending. And 
the video is, you know, getting worse and worse and kind of glitch here and and that was, that was all kind of part of it. But I liked the lo-fi vibe. I like that 80s uh, early spirit of the music video uh, vibe getting into the into the work. Well, when you first started making music, there was a, a real do-it-yourself aesthetic. I think the 80s new wave going into the 90s grunge. Did you kind of feel like, you know, everyone wanted to be in a garage band? Everyone wanted to, like, do it themselves? Yes, particularly being from the Twin Cities, we've always had a real high aesthetic for DIY. Um, we had record labels like twin tone records and actually i worked there in high school uh as a as an intern and and working on some of the promotion campaigns for records that were coming out and i think it just this the twin cities had that vibe going on uh, a lot of bands were starting their own labels booking their own tours and i think it's because there was a history of the punk bands like we had Suicide Commandos in the 70s, Chris Osgood and company, those guys were trailblazing for a lot of the bands that were to come. So, um, so yeah, I think the DIY thing is widely embraced in the Twin Cities. And it is in other cities, too, and it is now completely embraced, but it was a progression for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, here's a question for you. When you have that DIY aesthetic, and then with Soul of Sign, you know, you put out this, I think it was your first album, was it Grave Dancers Union? In, that uh, is not the, fir the first, yeah, go ahead. What, when was your first one? Well, the first Soul of Sign record was 1984, actually. That was Say What You Will. It was that um, early? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, but 92, that was more like your breakout album. That she had runaway train on, right? That's Grave Dancers in it. Yeah. Okay. So then the Grammys came. So what was that like to be like a DIY, you know, almost you know, punk band that enters the mainstream, gets lots of plays on MTV? What does that do to your whole mindset of oh my goodness, you know, we're the establishment sure. now? Well, so I was not in the band at that time, but um, I can tell you that. It was definitely a, a a trip for like Dave and Danny and uh, I, the, so so I joined the band later so that's uh, an important note okay. here but uh, but at knowing that band like uh, prior to that yeah it was a huge change and it really changed the way everybody's life was completely like they went from uh, you know punk rock anonymity to uh super stardom so it was it was a huge change and uh i think after that point when you get to that point it's like how do you proceed as a band and that's you know like do you remain trying to be a hit maker or do you try to embrace your indie roots or you know and and that i think is Something that, uh, like, so Dave Perner, lead singer, songwriter, he has always just embraced trying to not worry about those things and, and be concerned about the music and the art of it. 
and let those other things just kind of go to the wind, you know, because you can't control that. And uh, and all you can really do is focus on being true to yourself, doing music that you think is authentic and genuine. Right. Well, for the record, uh, what year did you join the band? 2016. So oh, the, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the first record I played on was um, Hurry Up and Wait. And then we put out an EP called Born Free after that. And then um, we're working on a new record right now, which um, is... We, we're, we're ha- we have no idea when that will come out. We're still working on the songs themselves and demoing them up so well this makes sense now since you've joined more recently that must be why you look so much younger than the rest of the band (laughs) well uh yeah there is that that's that's a literal uh fact so there you know it should sound in some way i hope it would sound more youthful but uh but the uh but yeah i mean i've been at it for so uh history of like my the bands I played in. So going way back, um, Grant Hart from Husker Du, if you're familiar with that band, that's another contemporary of Soul Asylum. I right oh, yeah. out of high school started playing guitar with Grant Hart. Um, and he passed away about two years ago now, two and a half years ago. And uh, I was start I was playing on his his uh, record he was making before he before uh, we lost him. Um, and which I think is done at this point, but um, so I kind of came full circle playing with Grant Hart, um, returning to playing on his last record. And then I had a band called the Melismatics. That band was my kind of baby project from high school onward. And that band still exists. That's how I met Soul Asylum was through that band. Cause we had done, a number of shows through the years opening for soul asylum and we had the same producer um worked with some of the same people and that's those bands kind of became friendly and worked together and then i played with other artists too you know through the years mark malman uh the rembrandts phil solem um and boy probably a ton of others and i'm just uh <laughs> not thinking of them right now so been in a lot of a lot of bands and a lot of projects well ryan that's a very impressive lineup but you've got a lot of stories uh from the studio and on the road but here's one thing i want to get from your point of view is the the music industry groups people together in genres you know for a shorthand yeah and i think sometimes unfairly like when new wave came along suddenly every indie artist was labeled as new wave whether or not they really were same thing happened with grunge so when you talk about all these bands how do you like to describe it do you prefer punk or grunge or indie rock like what do you call all this music yeah i i prefer personally indie rock because i think it, it encapsulates the spirit of the music independent at least in the mindset even if you're on a label even if you're um you know working with uh live nation or you know large companies and corporations and what you're doing i think the spirit of it is to to be free to say what you want to say and express things the way that you want to express them and that really encapsulates the spirit so uh, to me rock you know rock 
is also totally acceptable. It, the only thing about rock is that it's become such a dinosaur word where I think it means so many different things to so many people. You know, rock can mean uh, anything from like classic rock to punk rock to alternative or indie rock. And it's just so, it's so general that it doesn't mean as much. So indie rock means a little bit more to me. Punk um, is, is also acceptable. And it just, it also, I think like rock has, has meant so many different things through the years that if you talk to someone who actually remembers punk when it was truly, you know, the, the social movement of punk, like that's, really different than um a pop punk band now you know that everything is quantized and auto-tuned and it's really different so um yeah and then grunge i mean is fine too i i don't know for some reason i always kind of dislike that term you know i don't i don't like think it's it's not like the worst term ever, but it's never been my favorite it's okay you know it's just uh grunge kind of almost seemed like it got to be a, a slam on bands, you know, cause you could just, Oh, that's grunge. That's from the nineties. Who cares? You know, that's over, but kind of a, um, kind of a cash grab. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. A cash grab and a way to categorize some music that you can, it's easy to write off stuff when you can just lump it into a category. And really when you look at what grunge is or was, it's, it's really just a bunch of bands that are totally different that we're making music at the same time. I mean, Soundgarden doesn't sound anything like Nirvana and they were friends and they were contemporaries and they played together and even influenced each other. They'd sound totally different. And Pearl Jam doesn't sound anything like either of those two bands. And, you know, it's just, I think it's just an over. Well, do you well, get grouped that's... with all the Minneapolis bands, whether or not they're, they're indie rock or not? I think Minneapolis, I think there's a pride in the Minnesota and Minneapolis sound. I, I and I think that's okay. I, I think if people, if anyone were to lump you in with somebody like Prince, I mean it, that's nothing but a really positive thing, musically speaking. I mean there, you know, it's even if it's completely different stylistically, and the only thing that's really binding you is just geographics. That's like still a really cool thing to be associated with. Our drummer, Michael Bland, was in uh, Prince's uh, New Power Generation for well over a decade. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. He was uh, Prince's drummer since the age of 19. Really Did cool. you ever do you ever play on the stage with Prince? I have not. Um, many people I know have. Uh, I have never played on the stage with Prince, but yeah, like I said, Michael Bland, that's what he did for much of his life. And uh, I played with Matt Fink, who's known as Dr. Fink from the Revolution. You may know him as the keyboard player with the surgical mask. That's, you know, a guy that I made music with and played in different bands with and um, worked with uh, Bobby Z, the drummer of the Revolution. And Anyway, we're in Min in Minneapolis. You're gonna you'll be surrounded by people that have worked with Prince because it's uh, you know where it all happened. So, right. did you ever yeah. like jam with Morris Day? I have never jammed with Morris Day, and <laughs> I don't have any good stories. I, I have a lot. Of, well, I I know people that have like had 
good encounters with Morris Day. He's a he's a trip. He's like super. Uh, and he's a, a very entertaining human being. And I've heard a lot of good stories of people interacting with him, but I've never shared the stage with Morris Day. No, the closest thing I'm trying to think that Solson played the Super Bowl the, outside of the stadium in the winter. It was absolutely freezing. But Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who oh, were yeah. in the time, and, you know, and they huge producers that came out of the Twin Cities and worked with Janet Jackson and uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. They were some of the most popular producers of the of the time. But they um, they put on the show outside, and and we were a part of that. And that was a really cool opportunity to meet those guys and hang out with them. They're very cool. They know more about music than most people, or they've forgotten more about music than most people ever know. Does that inspire you to add a little more funkiness to your music? I have always enjoyed a little funkiness to music. Um, I am a fan of the Manchester music scene, you know, which infused you mean the, the rock uh, guitars with. You mean Northern Soul? Yes, Northern Soul and the Manchester, you know, um, you know, bands like Stone Roses and Joy Division. New order, um, uh, even a, oh, okay. a bit of that in there, but there, you know, that that music scene was guitar driven, mm-hmm. you know, very much Brit rock, and embraced a lot of the soul music that was coming from the United States, and infused that. So a lot of the beats are pretty funky. You know, if you listen to it, there, there are Stone Roses songs that the beats are. St- pretty much lifted from James Brown. Um, so with having Prince as an influence and having him be part of the uh, world that we grew up in here, it, it's, it, I, I totally enjoy having uh, interesting beats and, and funky grooves in songs. Like to me, that's a, an integral part of it. Right, right. Well, I know besides I'm Slipping, you've put out a couple of other tracks this past year. I did one called I Want to Destroy You and one yep. called Lost Time. And it did show quite a variety. Each one had a very distinct feel to it. Well, that's uh, good to hear. I do strive for each song to exist on its own and have its own place on a record. Um, Lost Time will certainly be on the full-length record and i think i did for for uh lost time and i'm slipping i did an acoustic version and i even did an electronic remix version of i'm slipping and when i say remix it's that term used which basically means a reinvention of the song like the only thing i kept from the original track was the were, were the vocals and then from there i just completely recreated the music electronically and and did it with the with a different approach uh oh, which wow. that to me is super exciting and that's another thing influenced from the manchester scene you know that's where they had you know the uh, uh factory records and and uh the hacienda the electronic musicians were kind of commingling with with the rock bands Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, see, back in the day, 
your stuff probably would have been played on college radio, which is kind of yeah. like, you know, its own genre, college rock. And don't you kind of miss that? Don't you wish there were still just more, you know, even on the AM radio dial, you know, college radio? Yeah. I definitely miss that. I, I know it exists now, but it seems like it's been mostly replaced by um, Spotify playlists and, um, you know, people sharing music digitally, which is still cool. It's like the culture of it's changing. It's, uh, but it seems like that's where it's happening now. You know, people are still uh, sharing new music and they're still getting excited by underground things uh and like while college radio exists it's just you know it's 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 obviously evolved it's had to have done that because terrestrial radio is like not as common as people walking around with their phones and able to listen to music in that way so but yeah i miss that that uh era of where that was like a more prominent force in -hmm. music well, where do you want people to consume your music? I mean, to go to Spotify, or would you rather they watch YouTube videos? You know, I, it's really tough nowadays. I, yeah, it is. You know, I, I really think the best thing is for people to consume music however they want to, you know, and, and just do what works for you. And the, my philosophy is if I love a band, I want to support the band. So... Let's just say, like, for example, if I if a, if a band I like put out a record, I would probably buy the vinyl. I would spin the vinyl at home sometimes, you know, when I when I can. But I would probably mostly listen to them on Spotify. And then if they put out a video on YouTube, I'd watch that video, um, you know, whenever I whenever I felt like it and give them partially just to enjoy what they do and partially to support what they're you know what they're doing and it's really these days i think you just you got to go out of your way to support a band and you can do a lot of things to do that but like t-shirts and um you know as bands put out merchandise like support that because basically music is now free you know it's like no one's making huge money off of spotify plays you know even if they're getting a billion plays they're still making such little money from that so so you know i think people should just enjoy music and do what's convenient what's going to make them listen to it you know and that for me has changed i used to use you know cds and vinyl and i still use vinyl don't use cds a lot anymore um i listen to spotify used to use itunes not doing that as much you know it's that's kind of being phased out for apple music and so it's, it's going to change, and I think uh, listen however you can, however you want to. Now, for getting the word out, didn't you either already do this or maybe you're about to do it, but playing your solo set open for Soul Asylum? Yeah, I have done that. Um, I ju- we just we were in South Park. Uh, South Park in i feel like we're in pennsylvania i know there's a few south parks out there but um yeah i i've i have done that and i've done live streams on my facebook page for the solo uh act and and then i'll do i'll book just solo gigs as well and true to form because one of the experiments of this solo project was i wanted to play all the instruments and and uh 
kind of truly, you know, truly make it a solo effort. Um, when I, when I've been doing those shows, it's just me and I'll use a loop pedal and I'll just build it up. So some of the songs are just stripped down versions and some of them, you know, get a little bit more elaborate with, with loops and things I bring into it. But, um, at some point, maybe I'll put a band together to play some of the songs more like they are on the, on the album. Well, how do the Soul Asylum fans respond to your music? Uh, very in, in a very supportive manner. Um, Soul Asylum fans are really great. I think that band is very fortunate to have dedicated fans. Many of them will fly to shows in different cities or they'll travel from one city to the next. And they're, they're avid fans, avid supporters. And, you know, my experience, they've all been really good people. Like they're all interesting people with, with stories and they're smart, you know, smart people, creative people. And yeah, so they, they've, they've been very, um, open to it and the, and, and helpful and embracing it. So that's really great. So what's that like to join a successful band, you know, later yeah. in the band's career, you know, and to cement your place in there, you know, it's been six years. That's a pretty big chunk of time. Like it's, it, how, yeah. How, how long did it take before you kind of felt like, wow, I am starting to feel like a permanent member of the band now. Yeah. It, I mean, the, your, you know, to answer your first question, what was it like? It was surreal. Um, even though I, it wasn't like, I didn't know the guys before, but it's still a very strange thing to be playing with them and playing those parts. It's just very, very strange. Um, or it was originally now it feels like old hat, but at the time it was a very, very, you know, strange and intimidating situation. I think it took, you know, it took uh, maybe a year to really feel like I felt like it was a, a fit that was going to stick, you know, like like on both ends, because, you know, it's like you never know when you join a when you join a band, it's like you're joining somebody's family and families have complicated dynamics. Sometimes it can be uh really really challenging to navigate through things and it just seemed like we got along great and there was a a natural feeling like i th think people like on that first i mean again i only know what, pe what i hear people say but i it felt like a lot of people were, were saying that it felt like it, it felt like we've been playing together longer it didn't feel like this thing where um there was an awkward phase where we didn't know how to interact or or make music together. It just kind of clicked right away. So that was, that, that was a reassuring. And I think that helped that go quicker, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you think that they now accept you like, like a songwriter, like you could contribute to soul asylum, new songs for new albums? Well, I think, uh, I, I feel fully accepted in that band in, in every way. Um, you know, Dave has always been the the songwriter of that band and his vision for songwriting has always been what's driven that. So, I mean, I, you know, from my point of view, I, I, that's how I always see it is like, 
that should always that band is always about like Dave's songs. Like that's, you know, one of the most important things of that band and always has been. So, um, you know, so that's, I don't feel like anybody has been anything but welcoming in every way in that band. Uh, but that's how, I mean, I think that's just, that is the history of that band and that is the way it should be in my mind, you know? Mm -hmm. well, what's your favorite soul asylum song to play live? Um, I think Freaks, which is, you know, if, uh, you may not be familiar with that song, but it's uh, it's an older album track. And I don't know, it's just really fun to play. Very high energy and um, really adventurous. So, so that or maybe a little too clean. I like playing the uh, which is another album track from the 80s. And it's. Uh, got a lot of cool guitar parts it's really high energy um yeah i tend to i tend to like to play the upbeat songs so mm -hmm. and how is the band responding to your solo work um good i mean like uh i think it was uh yeah i mean i i feel like i said i mean i feel like nothing but support and you know positivity and love from those dudes so so well i mean no, no there's no uh i don't think there's any kind of um uh you know some bands can get tense like if somebody's doing a solo record it's like hey what are you doing you know but i think it's like if you if if, if i were to not be focused on what solo sound's doing then i think that would could potentially be an issue but it's it's not and so i think everybody's everybody's happy you know you're sort of like the Stevie Nicks of the band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I'll, I'm the Stevie Nicks of the band. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, uh, we're going to wrap up. Got a few more yeah. questions. But before we do, where can people find you online? And, and what's your social favorite social media to interact on? Sure. Um, so... I'm actually about to launch my official website, which will be, uh, I don't know if this is, this is, is this live or is this being recorded for a later date? Oh, this, this is recorded for posterity. Okay. okay. So probably by the time people hear this, it, uh, the website is ryansmithsolo.com and that will be kind of a hub to everything. Um, I'll have, so the projects, um, I've got obviously the solo project and that's, on Facebook, Ryan Smith solo artist, and then Twitter, Ryan Smith solo. And I believe it's the same thing on Instagram. Any of those are fine. And then my other bands like the Melismatics. And then in 2020, I put out a record under Ryan and Pony called Moshi Moshi. And that also has all of its own social media. And Soul Asylum has, you know, everything, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, website, all that jazz. So when I get my solo site launched, it's going to have a hub basically to everything, but um, it will also be where like the news of the solo career will, uh, will be featured. So when you Google the name Ryan Smith, about a, a million Ryan Smiths come up. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's the problem <laughs> with using your own name, especially when your last name Smith. Yeah. I mean, are there any other Ryan Smith musicians out there? Uh, I there are, and the reason I know that is from if you like going. Uh, I think Apple Music is at a hard time sorting through who's who. Spotify, it's all super clear and and, and cut. But um, so yeah, that's that's. It's a little bit of a challenge, you know, again, when you use your own name and it's a name that other people have commonly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there are other Ryan Smith uh, musicians out there. So uh, I, I couldn't tell you anything about them, but I know that they exist because when we've done some of the releases, we, we saw that we were up against some of that. So... That's the internet for you. Well, yeah, I yeah. think ryansmithsolo.com, that's going to stand out for you. Yeah, that'll 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 stand out and that'll go live within a week here. So Nice. Well, for our final round here, it seems like it's important for you to have your unique voice even though you're loving being with Soul Asylum, it still seems like, you know, you want to make a mark out there with your songwriting. Yep. Absolutely. So what was that like when you had that freedom to go in the studio? Do I'm slipping and have full control over that? Well, it's it's really how I usually demo songs out. Um, so because I have my catalog of songs I've written is, is in the hundreds. And, and, and that is like my normal process really is like I usually demo song out, play all the instruments on it. And then depending on who it's for, you know, then I'll have people either just replay everything or replace the parts. So in other words, if it was like if I recorded a song and demoed it and the only thing that I needed to replace were bass and drums, then the drummer and the bass player put their personal stamp on it and play what, you know, the way they feel like it should go over the drums or over the bass. And um, so it can go. So, so I guess like it kind of felt like a similar process, but I just never had to, um, I shouldn't say never had to, I never, it just, I, I took that step out of the process where it is the way I originally thought it should go. So there's a little bit more, uh, immediacy to it. It, it is pretty much, it's like straight from the brain to the fingers and then it doesn't change. There's no, uh, you know no other step in the process beyond the initial idea. Do you almost feel free to do a little improvisation? Uh, yes, I do. And there will be a little of that, you know, like a lot of it's, a lot of it is going to feel, you know, like I think I'm slipping has a bit of, uh, I'll use the word orchestration. That's what I mean by that is just, you know, production. Like there's parts come in, they, they go away, they come back in and, um, and there's a feel to it that it, it's there for a reason, but I also love the spontaneity of, of, um, you know, absolute improvisation. So yes, there, there's actually already some of that on some of the forthcoming songs for the record. So yeah, completely. Now, and you are going to release some more singles and this is all leading yeah. to a full album. That's right. Any proposed title for the album? Oh, uh, not yet. I have a lot of ideas. I haven't settled on one. Um, so that's still TBD. TBD. And in addition to digital, 
you're also going to have a vinyl release for that? That's correct. So yeah, what, we'll do. We'll they, probably do CDs too. I mean, every you know, it at, at this point, CDs are still viable. You know, it seems like vinyl is is a little more popular. So we'll we'll do uh, we'll we'll do all of that. And this is uh, through my record label, High Tension Records, and we're we're actually talking to some other bands right now um, about joining the label and getting that fully operational. But I think typically we'll do vinyl, CD, digital. Will they let you sell the vinyl at the merch table at the Soul Asylum? Oh yeah, yeah. They we've already been we've been doing that. So there's actually already a cassette maxi single of I'm Slipping. It's got the all the current singles are on the maxi single, and it's like again referencing the. I don't know if you remember this or not, but in the 80s and 90s they would have maxi singles, which would be like a you know single would have an A side and a B side, but these would have like a remix and a different version of the song. They're more like five or six song, closer to an EP. Um, so we've been we've been selling that at the Soul Sound merch table as well. So oh, yeah, yeah, I'm the, sure though. Yeah. Well, the, the sad part is I do remember those, which yeah. makes me feel very <laughs> old now. <laughs> well, they're I, I think they're kind of cool, and it's like one of those things that hasn't really made a comeback yet. You don't see a ton of you know revivals of cassette maxi singles so i was kind of excited to be able to to do that and you know at at this point no those were fun and you know back then i think a lot of us played those in our car that was yeah. like the thing right because back then i think before cds took over we always thought if we went over a bump it would like bump the cd but the that cassette was rock solid yeah yeah, totally, totally. You know, don't you wish you could like see who's buying that cassette single? <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling most people are, they just buy it, you know, the same way that a lot of people buy vinyl and they maybe don't actually play the vinyl a ton and they're just going to listen to it digitally anyway. But it's just like kind of a cool thing. If you're at, you know, for example, if you're at a show and you want to go to a merch table and, and walk away with something in your hand, you know, I think that's what's happening more than anybody having tape players in their cars. You know, I'm sure some people do. And I think that's really cool if they do. But I can't see, like, you know, that being that common of a thing. I like, is this a limited edition? Like, like, did you only, like, print, like, 100 uh, cassette singles? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yes, it is limited edition. Um it was more than a hundred, but I can't remember how many it might've been. What was it? I don't remember the number, but it was more, more than a hundred, but it is limited edition. It might've been, uh, what was it? It was in the hundreds. I would have to go back and look, but it was, uh, but yeah, it's a limited edition. I'm not going to probably repress those. I mean, that's kind of a thing I just put out to, um, set things up for the full length record. Okay. So they're just buying them knowing in five years, they're going to sell them on eBay. Well, they could do that. That would be, uh, <laughs> I would have no problem with that, you know. A Ryan Smith collectible. Well, hey, uh, last question. I want to give you the last word here. You know, you're living kind of the dream of not only doing solo stuff, you're touring with a major band, but you're also doing, you know, other band projects. Yeah. You know, at this point, you know, what's your favorite part about this career of yours? Um, 
I feel extremely lucky just to be able to wake up every day and have a really busy plate of all making music. So, I mean, you know, I, it's, it's amazing. You know, a lot of people have had success that comes and then goes and then they, you know, or, you know, or maybe they have too much success. I feel like I just got like an amount to me that feels rewarding and healthy and exciting. And, I mean, I feel so lucky. Like I said, every day I wake up and I have like a long list of things I got to do or I'm in an interesting part of the world doing playing music. And it's it's a very it's very cool. I don't take it for granted. I think it's like a real um, fortunate thing. Um, so. I forgot the question. I don't know if I answered it, but <laughs> I, I think you summed it up. You know, I think anything that makes you excited to wake up in the morning is a good thing. Right. So maybe you're not slipping. I think that the slipping was temporary. Sounds like you've got your footing again, although you're still tripping. That's okay, too. <laughs> and for everyone out there, you know, this is Ryan Smith, the Ryan Smith. The current single is I'm Slipping. It's from an upcoming to-be-named album, which will be on vinyl as well as digital. Hey, I really appreciate you sharing this. Um, uh, you know, it sounds like you got a million more stories, so when that full album comes out, hopefully we can talk more. Let's do it. I appreciate it, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you.